Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, Take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> As you find your seats, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we are gathered this morning in the name of Jesus, the Lord. By gathering in his name, we are together saying we believe that Jesus is the true Son of God. We believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We believe that Jesus is the hope of the nations. We believe that Jesus is the one true King over all. And so, Lord, this day, we pray that you would cause us 
that you would stir within us to find true joy in Christ. And Lord, in honesty this morning, many of us feel feel a great weariness, a great fatigue, a great loneliness, a great despair, a great anxiety, a great fear. And a great yearning of how long, O Lord. And Lord, if that is where we are, we pray that by your spirit, you would meet us there. In our weariness, our tiredness, our fatigue, our doubt, our anxiety, our fear our exasperation, and we pray that you would meet us there in such a way that you would cause us to find true hope in Jesus. True hope in the Son of God who brings the love of God and the salvation of God to the world. Lord, would you cause us to see anew that in Christ you have made your grace and your mercy and your salvation known. Not only known, but tangible and real. Lord, would you cause the coming of your son to be a true blessing that truly does lift our heads and strengthen our weakness and give hope to our anxieties and fears in such a way that we could say, because Christ lives, I have hope. Because Christ lives, I will pursue hope joy. Help us see the eternal joy of Christ. The eternal making all things new in Christ in such a way that it sweeps over us where we are today. Lord, today, particularly as a pastor of a congregation, I'm burdened for those who are isolated and lonely and yearning for community. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would be present with us. That you would comfort us. And that you would allow us to feel a real lasting fellowship with you. Because of your son.
And Lord, I am particularly burdened for those who are weary from service in medical facilities and hospitals and ERs. And Lord, I pray that you would deliver to those strength and comfort and peace and hope in you. And I pray that you would lift the burden soon and quickly. And Lord, within your church, I pray that you would stir love and compassion and prayer and longing for one another that spreads in all directions and celebrates what you have done for us. Now, Lord, would you stir us from your word? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, friends. It's very good to see you all this morning. If you haven't already, please take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Matthew, chapter 2. Here at Redeemer, uh, for about the last six months, we've been studying the book of Exodus. And so we, as a people, as a church, have been walking through um, this journey that God's people, Israel, were on, where they were delivered from slavery and physical bondage in the country of Egypt and set free to move into living freely as God's people. And on this Exodus story, we have said over and over, and this is where you get to participate with me, okay? We've said over and over that that our connection to the Exodus story is through, so that one more time, our, our connection to the Exodus story is through Jesus. Okay, man, maybe I'm failing here. Our connection to the Exodus story is through Jesus. And maybe you've said, well, why is that so? Why is our connection to the Exodus story through Jesus? And the answer would be because the entire Bible was ultimately about the salvation that Jesus would bring. That the hope of Israel and the hope of the nations is one Savior. His name is Jesus. And this passage here in Matthew drives that point for us to say, Israel, the world, your hope has come. His name is Jesus. And it's driving that point again and again and again. So Matthew chapter 2, which Sarah just read for us, begins, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. So we're beginning this chapter after what we call the Christmas event. Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. His mother's name is Mary. Mary was a virgin. She has a 
new husband named Joseph, who is not the physical father of Jesus, because Jesus was conceived by the work of the Spirit in Mary. That's all in Matthew 1. And now Jesus has been born. And so the purpose of Matthew 2 is to, is to really focus us on this question. What do we make of this baby Jesus in Bethlehem? What do we make of him? And it's going to give us two answers. It's going to tell us that this Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, is the true king of the world. And this baby Jesus, born in Bethlehem, is the true son of God. The true son of God who is the true king of the world, who is the one who will bring about God's grace and mercy and peace and salvation for all the nations. The story is intended to say, see him as the great savior whom God has sent at the right time to bring about his salvation. So all I want for you to do this morning, like your takeaway from this, I really hope is not merely, oh, that's really cool how the Bible fits together. I hope it's not, oh, that's a good reminder. Now, I hope your takeaway this morning is everyone looking to Jesus is the solution. The solution for all of our troubles, all of our sin, all of our burdens is found in Christ. So let's run to him. So let's look at these in turn. The first point, if you want to take notes this morning, the true king, the true king. And this comes from verses 1 through 12. Verses 1 through 12. Now, this is the well-known story of wise men coming to worship Jesus and bringing him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, let's hit pause. Everybody look up for your Bibles from just a second. Most of our understanding about the story of the wise men is filled more in folklore than in the Bible, okay? So even our manger scenes convey a reality about wise men that we just don't know. We don't, it doesn't tell us how many wise men there were. It simply tells us they brought three gifts. It says men, not man, so there was more than one, but we just don't know. So, so the purpose of the story might not have been the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, right? Like that might not have been the purpose. The purpose of the story is this. Jesus is the true king, the true king of Israel who will bring God's blessings to all the nations of the earth. He is the one king. And this is how the story unfolds. Now, we got to get our minds around God's power at work here in this story, okay? So it begins with what we are told are wise men from the east. So, so wise men, meaning from the east, meaning not from Israel, but, but from further to the east. So think like Babylon, think like that direction. So, so not from 
the, the, the gathered people of God under the law of God. But these wise men were into astronomy and into dreams and into interpreting dreams and into trying to understand cosmic realities in the world, okay? None of what these wise men were about would have been affirmed in the law of God. Like none of it would have been celebrated as the right way to know God. Yet God uses all of that to get them involved in this story. So what we're told is that these wise men from the east came to Jerusalem because they had followed a star. So in studying this astrology stuff, they had followed a star and the star brought them to Jerusalem. And this is really important. They were looking for, the text says, the king of the Jews. So God in his providential power goes to another land to people studying the stars and providentially says, come to Jerusalem, the king of the Jews, who somehow will be a blessing to you, is about to be born. And so if you were coming to a nation looking for the birth of a king, where are you going to go? Yeah, we can participate. Thank you back there, Kyle. Capital. And when you get to the capital, where are you going to go? To the palace. So guess what they do? The star brings them to, Jeru to, to Israel. They go to the capital, Jerusalem. They go to the palace. The king's name is Herod. And they say, hey, we're looking for the newborn king. To which Herod, Herod says, interesting. I don't know what you're talking about. Now notice what happens here. Verse 3 says, when Herod heard this, he was troubled. And it caused a stir in Jerusalem. It says, and all Jerusalem with him. And so Herod calls a religious assembly of the priests and the scribes. And here's his question. Where is the king of Israel to be born? Now, an important backstory. The people of Israel had always longed for the one true king who would come and be their deliverer and their savior. The phrase that got put around that was the phrase Messiah. And so Herod knows he's not the Messiah. He knows he's not the, the one who's going to be the hopes of Israel. And so he pulls all these religious leaders together and he says, hey, where's the king supposed to be born? And so they have a bit of a religious convention and they talk amongst themselves and they search the scriptures. And remember, the scriptures for them would have been what we know as the Old Testament. They search the scriptures and they come back to Herod and they say, in Bethlehem of Judea. And they quote Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people 
Israel. Now notice what Matthew, the author of this chapter, has done. Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem of Judea. And then the question has been posed, where will the king of Israel be born? Where will the Messiah come from? Verse 6, he will come from Bethlehem and he will shepherd my people. So what's Matthew implying here? That Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, is no mere baby. He is the savior of God's people. He is the Messiah of Israel. The story goes on, verse 7. So then Herod tells the wise men, you go, you worship him, you find him, and then come back and let me know. So the wise men, they go, they find Jesus, they fall down, they worship him, They give him three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they're warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but to depart the country in another way. So so what's going on here? You're like, what's the deal with the wise men? What's the deal with the story? Two really important things happen in this story. Number one. This baby, Jesus, born in Bethlehem, was not just another child. Matthew's gospel is going to testify that he is the king of the Jews. He is the long-awaited Savior and the long-awaited Messiah. All the hopes of Israel will be satisfied in Jesus. It also shouts one more important point. Jesus, the baby born in the manger, is not just the king of the Jews, but he will be the king of the nations. He's not just the hope of the Jews, but he will be the hope of the nations. God stirs a group of wise men from the east to come and give to this baby the appropriate worship that is due him, and in so doing, symbolize and be emblematic of the nations of the world finding their hope in him. That is ultimately what is being claimed about Christ, about Jesus the Christ, that he is both the hope of Israel and the hope of the nations. He is both the king of Israel and the king of the nations, which means this, wherever we come from, whatever our struggles, whatever our convictions, whatever our past, whatever our past religious affiliation, what this is saying is Jesus was sent by God to be the answer, the hope, the one who is worshiped and praised and adored. So this story about the wise men shouts that Jesus is the true king. And our takeaway is one of, of focus. Where do we turn in our 
struggle? Where do we turn in the face of our sin? Where do we turn in the face of our unmet longings? Where do we turn with our questions of how long, O Lord? And where do we turn when we shout, can this world not be changed? We turn to Jesus because all of God's plans and purposes and promises come through him. The wise men are emblematic of a world brought joyfully to its Savior. So one thing we can take up this Christmas, what I need is joy in Christ. What my family needs is joy in Christ. What our community needs is joy in Christ. What our nation needs is true joy in Christ. And what the nations of the world need is true joy in Christ. There are no substitutes that endure. Even a PS5 for Christmas. If you don't get that, just laugh. It was funny. Second point, the true son. This is in verses 13 through 23. And this is where Matthew 2 gets very much tied to our Exodus study, if you've been with us. In this section, we see two things. We see God's divine protection of Jesus, and we see God declaring Jesus as his true son. So let's look at the story, and then we'll think about it together. So in the story, verse 13 begins and says, The wise men departed from Jesus, and an angel appears to Joseph. Joseph is the earthly father of Jesus. He appears to Joseph and says, take the child and his mother, her name was Mary, and flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you because Herod's about to try to kill him. So Joseph obeys the Lord and takes Jesus and Mary out of Israel into Egypt. Now, humanly speaking, on the surface, this makes sense. Egypt is a neighboring country, so it's the next country over. Egypt is politically safe from Herod because it's not under the, the authority of Herod. And it was quite common in that day. Scholars believe that there were over a million Jews living in political exile in Egypt at that time. But something far more was going on than just expediency. God was indeed preserving the life of Jesus by moving him out of Bethlehem because we're told in verses 16 and following that Herod, understanding that the king of the Jews had been born and having been given a timeline by the wise men, decided to kill 
all the babies under, excuse me, the baby boys under the age of two in Bethlehem. So Herod commits this great atrocity of killing all the baby boys in Bethlehem under the age of two. I've seen estimates of anywhere from that being 30 little boys to 60 little boys. But either way, humanly speaking, Jesus would have been a part of that had God not miraculously moved he and his family out of Bethlehem and into Egypt. So we see that the Lord is divinely divinely loving and protecting his son for the work that he has been sent to do. There's something even more going on there. After Herod dies and it's safe for Jesus and his family to return to Israel, the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph again and Joseph and his family come back into Israel and take up residency in the town of Nazareth, where Jesus would grow up and become a man. Now, we ask this question, why is this story so important? Look with me at verse 14 and 15. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. That's what we've talked about thus far. So what's the importance? What's the significance? This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Oh. So it was to fulfill a promise that the Son of God would be delivered from Egypt. Yes. That's Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. I need you to put your thinking caps on because we're going to have to go deep for a second, okay? We're going to have to go deep. But if you go read Hosea 11, verse 1, Hosea is not looking forward and talking about a son who was to come. Hosea was looking backward to the Exodus. This is where this all ties together for us. He was looking backward to the Exodus. And when he says, out of Egypt I called my son, he was talking about Israel. Remember, Exodus chapter 4 verse 22. Tell Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. So Hosea is saying that God called his son Israel out of Egypt and out of bondage and into being his people. Well, then why would Matthew talk about that? Because Matthew is making a much greater argument. What Matthew is saying is Jesus is the true, complete, faithful, unfailing son of God. You see, Israel, they got delivered out of Egypt. 
They got into the promised land. They became a nation. They received the law. They were to be the ones, the promise given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, blessed by God that the nations would be blessed. But you know what happened to Israel? They failed miserably. They failed miserably at their calling. And so what Matthew is saying is, hey, religious people, Hey, you who failed to do all that God was going to do through you, he sent his son for you too. Jesus is the greater son. He is the one true son. He will fulfill all the work of God for all of eternity. Yes, he's the hope of the nations, but he's also the hope for religious people too because we're sinners and we need to be forgiven and we're imperfect and we fail to fulfill the law, but Christ will fulfill it and give us righteousness. Christ will fulfill it and win the nations. Christ is the answer. So when we read out of Egypt, I called my one true son talking about Jesus, what Matthew is saying is that Jesus is the hope of Israel. Jesus is the hope of all the peoples of the world. Jesus is God's answers to the the failings of humanity And Jesus is God's answer to the religious failings of Israel. Israel doesn't have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and right all the wrongs. They simply need to trust the one true son who has come. And the world doesn't have to pull itself up by its bootstraps and right all the wrongs. It simply must trust the son who has come come. What this passage is saying is that Jesus is indeed the true son of God to fulfill the work of God that all the nations would be blessed through his seed, his offspring, his son, and his name is Jesus. In two ways, the true king and the true son, this passage is shouting, look to Jesus. In all your mess, look to Christ. Now, let's go back to the very beginning. For those of us that have been journeying through Exodus, our connection to the Exodus story is, it's okay to say it, there you go, through Jesus. Our connection to the Exodus story is through Jesus. That's not just preacher hocus pocus. Matthew 2 is saying that's how you should read Exodus. Our connection to the Exodus is not to become Jewish. It's to become Christian. It's to become in Christ because our deliverance comes through Jesus. Our hope comes through Jesus. Our freedom comes through Jesus. Our calling comes through Jesus. Our purpose comes through Jesus. Our place in the kingdom of God comes through Jesus. This passage is shouting, look to Jesus. And it's giving us theological freedom to read the whole Bible as a testimony of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, as the answer to all the questions of all time. So what is it that we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate 
that the baby born in Bethlehem was the son of God and the true king of all to to make God known and bring his saving power to bear in the world in such a way that it would last for all time. We truly can have hope and pursue joy because Christ came. That's what Matthew is trying to call us to in this passage. And so so as I said at the beginning, wherever you are today, first of all, I'm glad that you're here. And we believe that it's perfectly acceptable to be honest before God. You don't have to hide and you don't have to pretend. But whatever questions, doubts, fears, guilt, shame, unbelief you brought in the room today, I just want to say, would you turn and consider Jesus? Because he, he really has come to bring us the forgiveness and the healing, and the reconciliation, and the salvation, and the eternal hope that we need. Look to him. By the way, I'm not just talking to those in this room who might be unbelievers. We, as the followers of Jesus, need to remember that looking to him is where we find hope and strength and power and endurance. And the reason we open the Bible and the reason we worship and the reason we gather is together to say, look to Jesus, look to him, run to him, fall down at the foot of the cross, cry out to him. That's what Matthew 2 is saying. That's what Advent is saying. And that's what the Christmas season is saying. Our hope has come, and salvation is unfolding before our very eyes. Delight in him.